the meanderings of a librarian. This episode is called Laughter in the Face of Disaster. So I'm sure that's been said a million times before, but as I gathered some books for this podcast, I couldn't help but think that there are lots of funny moments within some really difficult times. And this past week, there was kind of a difficult time in my family's life. And, you know, you you think it's the absolute worst thing and somehow you get through it. And if you can bring or find a little bit of laughter, a smile, I find that it really helps. As I think about books that have really made me laugh out loud, um, one that comes to my mind always is The Rosie Project by Graham Simsion. And as I looked just really quickly on the internet to see what was up with that book, because it's been a long time, and there was another one that was made, a second one, there were questions, has this been made into a movie? And um, I didn't delve in too deeply, but it doesn't look like it was made into a movie, but it sure could be a really funny romantic comedy. So that book, if you'd like to laugh, is called The Rosie Project, R-O-S-I-E. And I've got a few that I've been reading lately. The first one is called Hello, Future Me by Kim Ventrella. I had the pleasure of having her on a panel that I was a part of earlier in the summer. And she was really funny on the panel as well, even though it was a very serious topic. And so on page 89, actually I'm going to start on page 88, chapter 7 called The Stranger. Once I had all my plan gear packed, along with the usual stuff, pocket knife, flashlight, magnifying glass, evidence collection bags, because you never know when you might encounter Bigfoot, it was go time. And then she writes a small, the main character writes a short little note to her dad so he doesn't get nervous. And she writes, riding bikes with Calvin, be back soon. And then she she scribbles that and then she sticks the note on the six pack in the fridge so he'd be sure to see it. Not that dad cared about me going out. He was super chill about me riding bikes and going into town and stuff all, all by myself. That might seem weird to fancy big city folks, but in Tanglewood Crossing, it's totally normal. It was the mom part I was worried about. I pulled out onto the highway, riding on the shoulder, of course, and pumped my legs as hard as they would go. Gravel sprayed out from under the front tire, pricking my bare legs. My muscles burned, my lungs squeezed. The sunlight bit down on the back of my neck like a shark spitting fire, but I didn't mind. In fact, I liked it. I was moving, things were happening. That meant I was one step closer to achieving my goal, i.e. fixing this whole divorce thing. I could have kept on riding all night, tearing up that road, but then I saw the crumbling sign for Dino Land with the cheesy looking brontosaurus and the faded out T-Rex and I jerked the handlebars, sending the bike into a skid. The world spun by, the ground hurtling up to meet my head. Are you dead? Calvin asked a minute later. I looked up to see him hovering over me, 
blocking out the sun, a wave of relief washed through me. Not because of the bike or the fall or my ugly scraped elbows, but because Calvin was Calvin. Normal. Something I could count on. (laughs) Nope, just bleeding to death. That skid had been kind of epic and not in a wow isn't this awesome kind of way. To be fair, I was totally fine, but still a little shaky. Oh, that's good. He held me to my feet, offering a crooked smile. As always, he kept a tiny pack of wet wipes in his back pocket. His mom is a total neat freak, and he handed me a few to clean up. So, what are we doing at Dino Land? He said, peering warily at the six-foot fence and the curls of rusty razor wire. Didn't you almost get shot here once? Mm, technically, yes. And maybe I should explain a little about Dino Land. According to Dad, it used to be this really awesome theme park. People would come from all over the world to walk with the dinosaurs. Full disclosure, the, sino- the dinosaurs don't actually walk or look real, but they are life-sized. And for kids back then, I guess that was pretty cool. Anyway, now it's not so much an awesome theme park as a dinosaur graveyard. Don't get me wrong, I still totally love it. It's closed off to the public now, but Dad and I sneak in at least twice a year to take pictures next to all the old dinosaurs. One time, the owner, this guy named Daryl Hicks, came running at us with a shotgun, shouting for us to leave. But Dad, being Dad, told him off. Next thing I knew, that guy, Daryl, was inviting us in for tea. But we're on a secret mission, so danger kind of comes with the territory. I said, giving Calvin a punch for courage. I hid my bloody wet wipes under a rock and we headed off on foot, me in the lead and Calvin trailing a few feet behind. As we made our way through the woods, I could see his drifting off, his eyes drifting off into the park, taking in the crumbling plaster dinosaurs, the broken carousel with its raptors instead of horses, the weeds, the blowing trash, and the puddles of sewage that had been left to stew and fester. Um, are we about to get murdered, Calvin said. He came up beside me and his hand brushed mine. I was pretty sure it was a mistake, but not totally. I slid my hand in my pocket. Let's hope not. Anyway, we don't even have to go inside. The place we're headed is just outside the fence. Oh, that's a relief, Calvin said, wiping fake sweat from his brow. We ducked under the vines and avoided puddles. Calvin got attacked quote unquote by a spider web his words he's so not a fan then we came to the edge of the face fence turned right and there it was the pond mom's pond a small pool of deep green water buzzing with mosquitoes and dragonflies sunlight reflecting off the glassy surface a weeping willow at the far end branches drooping down to kiss the water her secret spot where she went to paint and think and get away from me and dad. Except now it was different because this huge silver RV blocked my view. It looked like a submarine on stilts and there was this shiny red car, the kind city people drove, parked at the head of the submarine. I think I hear someone, Calvin said but I put a finger to my lips and motioned for him to stay back. 
The trees rustled at the far side of the pond. For a strange moment, I thought I saw a pair of wild yellow eyes watching me from the shadows, non-human eyes. But then something moved inside the RV. I froze, my gaze darting to the silver door. I waited for someone to appear. This was it, my moment to ask mom the big question. Did she still love dad? No, wait, I should give her the painting first. Soften her up a little. And I'm gonna stop there on page 92 in Hello, Future Me. I'm going to share with you in this episode called Laughter in the Face of Disaster is from Wink by Rob Harrell on page 40. Isaac used to eat with us out here as well, but he doesn't come around these days. There's no question that Abby's my best friend, but it feels like something big is missing. Not getting Isaac's input as well. He's a funny guy. I mean, It was just this past summer that the three of us made the great Oreo pact out at the lake. Isaac's uncle Anthony had taken us out on Lake Monroe for the day in his speedboat, a perfect late June day. We started out working on getting Isaac up on skis. Abby and I had figured it out in the last couple of boat trees, but Isaac, skinny little Isaac, had yet to stay up. I remember him standing on the back of the boat while his uncle got the rope ready, flapping his thin arms around to loosen them up. The life jacket looked huge on him, but then again, so did his swimsuit. It hung well below his knees. This is my day, people! He yelled it loud enough that other boats could hear. Gonna do this! Gonna show you all how it's done! He sniffed. Might even slalom today! He pointed at Abby and winked. Four minutes later, he fell, trying to get up and forgot to let go of the tow rope. He held on for maybe 400 feet while he got dragged under, just under the water, until his senses kicked in and he realized he could just let go. Climbing back in the boat a few minutes later, he was laughing. His eyes were wide and his voice sounded weird from all the water he'd taken in. He kind of looked like a wet rat. I think I just got a nasal enema. Later in a cove called Allen's Creek, where boats anchor and hang out, the three of us were sitting on the back of the boat, our feet in the water. Isaac's uncle was in the front talking to a friend on the phone. Oreos, chips, and sodas were out as we sat and discussed some of the other boaters. Five or six boats had tied together near us, and it looked like the party was in full swing. Music was drifting over drifting over when the wind was right. This is awesome. I love this. Isaac is generally a pretty happy guy. Right? I mean, what's better? Abby took a slow drink. Dummy has a point. I can't remember how it started, but she's been calling Isaac Dummy for a couple of years, and Isaac seems to like it. I was watching the people on the party boat. A few of them were singing along with the radio. Is that going to be us in 10 or 15 years? Are we still going to be hanging out here, rope swinging? Isaac crammed two Oreos in his mouth at once. 
and talk through them. We'd better be. Pretty much the tears were all that, you know? Abby and I nodded, but it wasn't enough for Isaac. Let's shake on it, like in a movie where people cut their palms and swear a blood oath. I looked at him like he was nuts. I'm not cutting myself, sorry. Isaac waved it away. Yeah, no, we could do a spit pack. We all spit in our hands and... Gross, no. Abby was having none of that. Isaac started looking around. He wasn't letting his idea go. Then he grabbed an Oreo. Quote, an Oreo pack. End quote. He untwisted the cookie and used his front teeth to scrape off the little white cream patty, put it in his damp palm. I looked at him for a second, then nodded. Hmm, that works. We shook and did our, did our best to smash the white filling in between. Isaac looked disappointed. Not gooey enough. He poured some of his cherry seven up between our clasped hands, mixing it with the white stuff. That seems more packed-y. Then he turned and did the same thing with Abby. Then Abby and I did the same. Isaac hopped to his feet and spoke in a booming voice. And with this action, our Oreo friend packed is official. Then he took a mouthful of 7-Up and sprayed it in the air so it misted down over the three of us and all over the back of the boat. Isaac! It was Anthony, and he wasn't happy. Isaac gave us a comical, uh-oh look and dove sideways into the dark water. And the last passage I'll read from is from a book called This Train is Being Held. Pretty serious book, but certainly has its bits of laughter as well. And it's by Ismay Williams. And I'm going to share from you, starting share with you, starting on page 138. The bass coming from Merritt's room shakes the walls. I feel it in my feet as I walk barefoot down the hall. I rap on the door. I rap again. When I pound, the music lowers. What? Merritt yells. Merritt's brother behind the door. It's me, I say back. The music quiets more. What do you want? Can I come in? Why? Do you want to have your eardrums blown? I chuckle, despite myself. Things can be in shards, and Merritt will find a way to make me laugh. No, no eardrum shattering. I thought maybe you wanted some help. A few seconds tick by. My hands start to sweat. I don't know if he's going to let me in or not. The door cracks. Merritt leans out. He grabs the frame with his hand. His other arm holds the door against his chest, preventing it from opening wider. He's trying to block me from seeing inside. But the bare mattress, the tumble of sheets and blankets on the floor, covered with books and papers, a sneaker, a broken lamp, and the familiar red rectangular shape of his chest clock is enough for me to know it's bad. Why do I need help? Merritt cocks his head. He doesn't brush away the hair that falls into his eyes. Like Dad, he 
hasn't shaved. But on him, the result is different. Uneven wisps of blonde fuzz mingle with patches of blotchy skin. It's like someone affixed tape to Merritt's neck and jaw ripped it off. Only the tape was missing large chunks of stickiness. Um, packing, I say? I'm almost done. Really? It's easy to pack when you're not taking anything with you. A clump of greasy hair parts and a light blue eye looks out at me. You're not taking anything? I put a hand on my waist. He straightens and lifts a finger like he's about to recite in front of an audience. Four outfits. Three every day. One special occasion. Four pairs of underwear. Four pairs of socks. Matching, of course. He glances down the hall and pulls a hand to his mouth because you know how mom gets. He rams his shoulders back again. A pair of sneakers. A pair of occasion shoes. Merritt's eyebrows jump at that. A pair of boots for the winter. Oh, and one hat. He's speaking like himself, which is good. It's really good. Only clothes then, I ask? What about your computer? He closes his eyes as if my question requires great patience. I consider that an extension of my personal body. It doesn't need to be tacked. Packed, sorry. It goes where I go. Along with my phone, of course. My watch. And yes, that's it. I almost asked him about the aviator sunglasses we bought together after Thanksgiving, but I don't want him to think about Samantha. Um, how about toiletries? I glance at his hair. Shampoo? His teeth aren't looking that great either. Toothbrush? He reaches out with one arm and pulls me into a hug. The other still grips the door. That's what I have you for. I can borrow yours. I breathe through my mouth. He doesn't smell like magnolia and poppy detergent right now. God, Merritt, try to pull away. When was the last time you showered? He holds me tighter. He tries to push my face into his armpit. He's joking, or at least I think he is. But I can't stop panic thud of my heart. So there again, joking, lightheartedness, fun, laughter in the wake of disaster. So think about some times that have been hard for you. What, what has helped you get through that? Has it been laughter, a joke, perhaps just a smile? Has another person been able to pull you out of that and show you that it's going to be okay no matter what's going on could be the absolute worst but we go on it's going to be okay find the laughter in the wake of disaster thank you for listening Mm -hmm.